Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mo Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Uh, today we are talking about Scandal and not the show. Which is a great show, though. I never got into it. So I, I actually only watched, I think, the first three seasons, and mm-hmm. then I was like, okay, this is way too much. Way too much yeah, scandal. Yeah, I saw one episode, and I thought it was a little overboard for me. I can see why people like it, but... Because it's got sex, politics, sex. So there those you go. are <laughs> the things we're talking about today. <laughs> and we're looking specifically at women in political scandal and some gender differences in how female politicians and male politicians are able to recover or not recover from a scandal. Right. And we do have a um, quick trigger warning. We're not going to get in too much detail about anything, but no. but we are going to be talking about um, revenge porn briefly and um, sexual assaults, just in general sexual situations. Yes. Corruption. <laughs> so um, corruption. Yeah. So this was in part inspired by the recent scandal involving Representative Katie Hill, which we will get into in a little bit. Um, And it it involves a lot of things, a lot of disparate threads um, that are all episodes that have been done in the past and we could probably revisit, like revenge porn, Mm -hmm. uh, Me Too, sexual harassment. But uh, we're just going to touch on those things today. Right. 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 so definitions, we'd like to start with definitions. From a 2017 paper called Corruption and Sexual Scandal, the Importance of Politician Gender, political scandal is, quote, any action or event involving a politician that is regarded as illegal, corrupt, or unethical and prompts general public outrage. This can be something like violating the Constitution here in the United States, the crimes and misdemeanors we hear about, uh, abuse of power, or violations of socially established ethical and moral standards. These scandals, depending on their severity, um, and as we're going to get into gender and skin color, can permanently impact a politician's electability. Right. Political scandals can and have destabilized the status quo and permanently altered history. We know this. We're seeing this, actually. (laughs) Um, They've added terms and phrases to our lexicon. Corruption is a major obstacle for achieving equality. Yeah, so it's a pretty big deal we're talking about, and it's hard to differentiate. There are two main types of scandal, corruption and sexual. (laughs) Uh, It it seems to be that's the case. Mm. Um, And in general, people are more concerned with corruption scandals as opposed to sexual scandals. However, women are punished more severely when it comes to sexual scandals of similar magnitude carried out by men. To a lesser extent, women are punished more severely for corruption scandals as well. But let's look at some examples, shall we? Let's. All right. So one thing I would say before we get into this, something I thought of at first when we were talking about doing this episode is a difference I see a lot in political scandals when it comes to gender um, is not only in the forgiveness or willing to forget, willingness to forget or not, or willingness to forgive or not, but also the public apology portion. Right. Because I feel like dude politicians always drag their wife up there and she's standing next to them, maybe slightly behind them, to show that she supports this male politician, her husband or whoever, um, while he apologizes. Which is kind of, have you, in the episodes of Parts and Rec? 
the yeah. main corrupt sexual harasser of all, you know, that has all of those scandals. You see the wife every time and then the final, I think the final corruption story that's made public, she just turns her back and just puts her head down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I am done. Um, yeah, it always feels so awkward and it uncomfortable. Does. And I mean, the whole thing is awkward and Gross. uncomfortable, but... Gross. I mean, even the, the fact that women have to come out and make statements, especially in this era of social media. Yeah. Um, Kavanaugh's wife, I think, had made a statement, didn't she, mm-hmm. in regards to supporting her husband. Yeah. It's just, ugh. Yeah, there's something about it that feels really icky. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I have seen that kind of public apology with a male, with a female politician and her significant other right. male behind right. her. Um, okay, but examples. One is the Eaton Affair from 1829 to 1831. Early on in Andrew Jackson's term, his friend and Secretary of War, John Henry Eaton, got married to Margaret Peggy O'Neill. And Peggy had a reputation for being promiscuous. And apparently it was quite the reputation. It eventually led to the dissolution of Jackson's cabinet. A lot of Jackson's cabinet and their wives, because yes, all the cabinet members were men at the time, did not approve of Peggy and her behavior. And by association, they did not approve of Eaton for being with her. Jackson stood behind his friend Eaton. But eventually, tensions boiled over and it became apparent that things couldn't be solved. Jackson forced cabinet members to resign. Peggy was perhaps a more emotional linchpin members of the cabinet against Eaton's protective terrorists could use to force him out. They were really against that thing. Right. And they pointed to her, a promiscuous woman, and used that to kind of... Take him out. Yeah. During the 80s and 90s, member of parliament and a wife of Northern Ireland's first minister, Iris Robinson, was discovered having an affair with a man 40 years older than her. The press dubbed her the Celtic Cougar, and she had to step down. Wow. Of course. What a nickname. Former Home Secretary of the UK, Jackie Smith, resigned after it was revealed that she claimed the purchase of pornographic films as part of her parliamentary expenses. She claimed the purchases were her husband's, but she still resigned, reasoning, quote, she, I, was the one who did the wrong thing for claiming it, for not going through the expense form closely enough. Mm. And then, again, we want to talk about Monica Lewinsky. I don't think we could bypass any conversations about politics and scandal without talking about her. We've already talked about her doing our uh, Women in Sexuality episode, but this was the scandal of Bill Clinton's presidency. She was a White House intern that ended up being recorded and being the main witness for Clinton's impeachment. She was, of course, ridiculed, slut-shamed, and scapegoated and gaslighted throughout her career. As in, um, she actually apologized to the Clintons during a Barbara Walters special, which says a lot. And then she moved to London to try to stay out of the spotlight. And I don't think it was until the Me Too movement and her powerful essay that she wrote for um, Vanity Fair that she started to become recognized as not the slutty temptress, but perhaps a young, naive girl who was groomed by the most powerful man in the country. Yeah. But uh, we see that she was really vilified from jump. And even now, she still has moments of being made fun of and all of that. And and there have been several people who have apologized from their reaction. But, you know, she's a prime example of women in politics 
she became the main source of ridicule as if it was all her fault, which is a whole different standard in itself. And then coming into Katie Hill, who was the inspiration for this specific episode. In October 2019, California Representative Katie Hill resigned after a committee investigation into her alleged sexual relationship with her legislative director and staffer from her campaign. She told the Ethics Committee, I know that even a consensual relationship with a subordinate is inappropriate, but I still allowed it to happen despite my better judgment. For that, I apologize. I wish nothing but the best for her and hope everyone respects her privacy in this difficult time. And then she um, released the statement about it. I know that as long as I'm in Congress, we'll live fearful of what might come next and how much it will hurt. And, and she was right to be fearful, obviously. This all was a result of a post on Red State about the affair, um, complete with intimate pictures, one in which she and the other woman in the photo are naked. Hill claims this is the work of her abusive ex-husband, who, in her words, is determined to humiliate her. And actually, there was a statement released by the ex-husband saying that his phone had been hacked. So that makes you wonder many yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah, this is a really murky situation. Sexual relationships with underlings or those who are your subordinates is bad. Abuse is bad. Revenge porn is bad. And because of the complexity of this story, the number of threads, Democrats were accused of having somewhat confused response. When asked Kamala Harris committed, let's also speak the truth that men and women are not held to the same standards. Um, I mean, look at who's in the White House. Katie Hill was one of the first openly bisexual representatives, something that drew a lot of ire from conservatives. Some people call this electronic assault or digital exploitation, and others call it revenge porn. As the victim of it, I call it one of the worst things that we can do to our sisters and our daughters. And that was a quote from Katie Hill. And I think that does bring up a lot of questions about what should be allowed, what isn't allowed, what is, again, um, the law with revenge porn or publicizing someone else's photo, how does that work? I mean, that even comes into talking about Instagram photos, and although it is public property after you do publish it on Instagram, which is weird to me in itself, mm-hmm. um, when someone uses that to profit off of, it's such, and it's not yours, it's such yeah. a weird conversation to have, and this is that same, well, even worse idea yeah. that as an act of revenge or because you're mad, you take something that was consensual, and yes, using like any relationships with people who is a subordinate is very, very inappropriate. But again, we've never really seen that this level of intensity as she had been drawn. Uh, Katie Hill has kind of been pulled into and all of the conversations about her sexuality was the question. I believe there was a conversation that she was hurt her husband or in a polyamorous relationship. So there were so many things about this that people were uncomfortable with and used against her. Yeah. Um, and I can only imagine... Uh, I did some research into this for our episode we did around slut-shaming journalists in India. Um, When something that intimate is posted without your consent and then shared and it's so hard to prevent it, to get it taken down, it just keeps popping up and to get the the notifications and and to know that your your friends and family maybe have seen these things. Right. um, It's just devastating. Right. it it makes my heart hurt thinking about it, and and the problem too uh, that now that we're in this electronic age, you could it could not even be your body. They could Photoshop your head right on Actually, someone else's body. They did that with Elizabeth Warren, and I can't remember 
Oh, my goodness. Who was the journal, and I say that in quotes, who was the person who tried to say that Elizabeth Warren had an affair with a very young man oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and being a cougar? And then they looked at the photo, and they're like, dude. It was a really bad Photoshop. <laughs> it was job. bad. Or, oh, like, it was man. so outdated that it was unreal. Yeah. Um, and they're like, and that's kind of, but that's the fear. What if they had taken that seriously? What if someone was actually really good at Photoshopping? What, you know, right. what if that had happened and her reputation was marred completely and because people are dying to see a scandal, they want to believe the worst. Yeah, people believe what they see. Right. Um, If we look at Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential run, she was regularly vilified for the sexual infidelities and transgressions of her husband. Meanwhile, Donald Trump was on tape admitting to infidelity and sexual assault himself. Um, So (laughs) that brings us to gender differences and political scandals. What do those look like? You probably have some idea. But first, it brings us to a quick break for word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And we're back with gender differences and scandals. We do judge male and female politicians And we do judge them differently. Uh, You can see the episode I did with the folks from the Daily Zeitgeist around women and the question of Mm likability for for more on that because that is the question that follows female politicians. Right. Are you likable? Right. And I think that's already been a smear campaign for a majority (laughs) of the women. Is that I just don't like her. Yeah. And it doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. A a lot of my friends, when they were saying, I'm not going to vote for Hillary, and I'd ask why, that's almost always, they say, I just don't like her. And that was it. Right. And I love one of my favorite slash horrible things about that is that people at the time, there were numerous reports, Elizabeth Warren is way more likable. We should have gone with her. And now Elizabeth Warren is running. And they're like, she's not likable. She's mean. We yell at you. Right. She (laughs) yells at you. She tries to be too cool. All of these things. There are two prevailing theories when it comes to public perceptions of gender, scandal, and electability. Expectancy violations theory involves the various expectations we have when it comes to people and how they should act, behave, dress, speak, what have you. Violating these norms generally results in a negative assessment, uncertainty, and lowered perceptions of credibility. This theory primarily evaluates communication, either verbal or nonverbal, but can and has been applied to political scandal. Gender roles, of course, play a huge part in how we expect people to behave. Right. And shifting standards theory is more focused when it comes to predicting how reactions and judgments will differ given similar situations, factoring in specific aspects of a person's traits, including gender. Uh, These theories are often used in conjunctions to get to the root of our societal differential reactions to political scandals and men and women. Basically, you have stereotypes and violating or reinforcing stereotypes and double standards. Yeah. Pretty much what we're talking about. So stereotypes, because of the stereotype that women in politics are more honest than men, which surprised me, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what the research has found, or, or perhaps that people expect women to be more honest. Um, they Women are then judged more harshly and held to more rigid standards when they are found to be dishonest as compared to men. We use a different set of criteria when judging female politicians, we as in the royal we, not me and Samantha, and these standards are stricter. 
Therefore, given a similar transgression, women will be judged more harshly than men. Women have further to fall, essentially. That results in a significantly higher loss of support when it comes to the vote. This does depend on the perception and acceptance of gender stereotypes of the voter in question. Another piece of this whole thing is women still make up less of our politicians than men, far less. So they are watched watch more closely. Right. In the U.S. specifically, I should in say. In the U.S., yes. Yeah. Perception of corruption is generally lower when more women are present in politics. If this is true, which a handful of studies have suggested it is, it could be a handful of reasons. Women being excluded from male networks of corruption, female candidates being overqualified, and female politicians being more risk-averse. It could also be that women know they are being watched more closely and being held to a higher standards. This means that more women in politics might decrease the levels of corruption and scandal. Other researchers have questioned this finding, or at least pointed to the other reasons governments with more female representations may have lower levels of corruption. Freedom of press, for example, has been shown to have the greatest impact on corruption, which makes a lot of sense. And I guess that's even harsher with the fact that we have so much access to social media and so many people spreading whatever opinion they like. Right. (laughs) When it comes to sexual scandals, um, these are more in line with perceived male stereotypes. Boys will be boys. Um, While women involved in sexual scandal is violating all kinds of stereotypes and brings in fears of women's sexual agency and pleasure. The paper we mentioned earlier, Corruption and Sexual Scandal, The Importance of Politician Gender, found that female politicians involved in scandals were assessed less favorably on all dimensions like electability, morality, and competence when compared to male politicians. For male politicians, involvement in scandals did not affect competence assessment, contrary to what was found uh, for the women. Hmm. So another 2017 study out of Durham University titled Corruption, Accountability, and Gender, Do Female Politicians Face Higher Standards in Public Life? found that women punish female politicians involved in scandal more harshly than men do, which is not surprising because, yeah, you do kind of put yourself on a different standard, so therefore you would expect to have such a high standard of yourself. Right. And you wish to be a better person. The UN has looked into questions around women and corruption as well, not only perception and the differences in how women go about corruption, but also the impact corruption has on women specifically. According to their data, poor women are hit hardest when it comes to petty or retail corruption, which is basically when services are sold for a bribe instead of provided and services that are basic and should be provided for free. This type of corruption is often sexualized when women and girls are forced to do sexual favors as bribes. And on top of that, since globally women are more likely to be barred from work or education and make up a majority of the world's poor, they are disempowered when it comes to changing the status quo and therefore more disproportionately hit by corruption. Their data found that women have been forced to pay bribes even in life-threatening medical situations and pregnancies for services that are supposed to be free. NGOs have been perpetrators of sex for food scandals as well, so this is a pretty widespread problem. Numbers from 2001 out of Botswana found that 67% of female respondents reported having been harassed by a male professor and 10% agreed to sexual favors out of fears their grades would be negatively impacted if they didn't. If this results in pregnancy, these sexual favors, the female student will most likely be expelled, while the male professor will incur no consequences. Right. 
which is gross. So these systems of corruption work to keep women out of political office, not having access to networks, to money or property to bribe other officials, being asked for sexual favors to secure the opportunity to run. And these are all barriers that women face at much higher rates than men. And studies have found one way to address this problem is by having more women in office. Similar to the study we mentioned earlier, the UN also found that women worldwide not only more accurately perceive corruption, they are also less tolerant of corruption. So that thing that you mentioned earlier, Samantha, perhaps uh, women are harsher judges of female politicians embroiled in scandal, but they might be harsher on everyone. Right. Yet another study out of 2017, and I wonder what could have inspired all these political scandal studies around that time, hmm, read, quote, We theorize that both hostile and benevolent sexists are more likely than non-sexist to punish women for involvement in a sex scandal, but each for different reasons. We posit that women politicians involved in sex scandals activate traditional gender norms and challenge men's dominant position in the society, thus provoking hostile sexists to punish women more severely than men. Hmm. Makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. We do have some more for you, but first we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So mm. in conclusion, mm. corruption impacts women more. One of the ways to combat this is by getting more women in office. Female politicians are punished more harshly for scandals like corruption and removed from office. Not that people who have done wrong shouldn't be removed from office, but the consequences should be equal regardless of gender. Otherwise, we are trapped in this vicious cycle. Right. The UN has partnered with various organizations around the world to better measure and fight corruption with particular regards to women and girls. Yeah, and you can, um, if you want to look that up, I highly recommend it. They're just very specific in in countries and um, all over. So, yeah, that's our look at women and scandal. Um, If there's any scandals that we didn't touch on that you would like for us to, uh, please send them our way. Or or if you want us to expound on one. Um, And, yeah... (laughs) Just to be clear, again, bad things you should get removed from office. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anyone who uses power against someone who is um, not a power should yeah. be punished. Yep. Or at least, you know, seen. Yeah. Justice. <laughs> and I guess sort of related to that, we did want to touch on the ERA right. for a little bit, um, the Equal Rights Amendment. Right. All right, so recently we had some elections here in the United States that led to some pretty significant wins for Democrats, particularly wanted to look at Virginia, which turned blue, it flipped, as they say. And this could be a big deal for the Equal Rights Amendment. And very briefly, this was a constitutional amendment that would give all Americans equal legal protections no matter their sex. It was passed by the House Senate in 1972, but then enthusiasm for it sort of fizzled out, also was sort of destroyed, uh, thanks mm-hmm. in part to the anti-ERA efforts of Phyllis Schlafly, who played Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead, at her party the day the deadline for the ERA passed. But there's renewed attention to it because in becoming a blue state, Virginia might ratify it, and it would become the 38th state to do so, 
which would bring the ERA up to the three-fourths it needs for federal ratification. Another thing that would have to happen is Congress changing the deadline for ratification, which was originally set for 1982, which the Judiciary Committee just approved. Um, Also, some states are doing a whole, like, we ratified it then, but we don't want to do it now. So right. I don't know what's going to happen includes, there. That includes, I think, Tennessee and North Dakota. I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if ratified, the ERA would touch on all kinds of things, protection against pregnancy discrimination, pay equity, maternity and paternity leave, and domestic violence laws. Right. It's definitely something to watch as the House has 215 co-sponsors with them voting by the end of the year and does have actually a couple of Republican sponsors from Alaska and Maine, so that's mm-hmm. cool. And the likelihood of it hitting the Supreme Court is very, very high, so that's kind of tedious in yeah. itself and something we all need to pay attention to for sure. Yeah, I, I'm certain we will be talking about that again in the coming months. Right. So just wanted to put that update in there. Uh, keep, I guess, keep an ear out or an eye out for any news. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> the ears out. Yeah, you got to keep your ears out. And we will be keeping an ears out for any news from you. I guess it would be eyes out. Now I'm confusing myself. We'll anyway. Just, we'll just be on the... We'll be on the lookout. <laughs> well, that doesn't make sense either, does it? We have confused ourselves All right, we'll terribly. just pay attention. How about yeah, that? We'll yeah. just pay attention. Yes, we'll, we'll excitedly wait to hear from you, <laughs> listeners. You can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. And you can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram at StuffMomNeverToldYou. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 